Hi. You having fun? How many of you did something fun on spring break? Okay, look at that. How many of you just worked, plotted away, nothing special? <laughs> it's great to have you here this weekend here at Timberline. We're having a great weekend. And uh, we started last week a, a series called Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a real person named Nehemiah. And there is also a book in the Old Testament with his name. It is his story. He's the one who wrote the book of Nehemiah. So, it's in the Old Testament. You can feel free to look and to check it out. In case you were not here last weekend, we kicked off this series with some intro stuff. I'm going to give you just a nutshell umbrella so you can kind of have a context of what we're talking about today with chapter 2 in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is and was the, the cupbearer, is the Bible term, the cupbearer to the king which basically meant he was the, the wine taster for the king. However, it had little to do with the quality of the wine and more to do with whether or not it had been poisoned. All right? So if uh, Nehemiah tasted the wine and lived, then it would be served to the king. There was a little time delay. They had all kinds of requirements about how the wine would be opened in the presence of the king. And it was fascinating to me reading through some of the history of how these Persian kings required their wine to be presented to them. It was just crazy. And they, had, they could only touch it with the, the glass in certain ways, and they had to pour the wine in a certain way, and so much, and that goes on and on. Anyway, Nehemiah had it figured out because the king loved him. Artaxerxes was the name of the king. This story took place around 444 B.C., and uh, we're diving in today. Now, I've called this particular message this weekend, Every Dream Requires a Plan. Now, probably it should have a tag at the end that says, if you want it to be accomplished. Okay? Because I know lots of people who have a dream, but it'll never happen. You know why? Because they'll never plan it out. And, and they'll never take the time... And make the time to get it done. How many of you right now, I'm curious, I've been doing this all weekend and it's been fascinating. How many of you have airline tickets already purchased or reserved for a trip at some point in the rest of this year? Just wave your hand at me. Look at that. I mean, a lot of you. Okay, how many of you have either a hotel reserved or a car rental, but there's something you know you're planning to be there at that time? See? A lot of you. How many of you have filled out... That little thing at work that says, I'm going to be off or I'm requesting to be off from this time to that time, some point this year. Anybody? See, a lot of you. Why? Because you're making plans. I don't know what the dream is. Maybe you're going into a nightmare. I don't know if it'll be a dream or a nightmare. But, but it's going to be, I would guess, I think this is an educated guess, that over 95% of you who just raised your hand, over 95% of the plans that have been made, budgeted, thought through, that those will actually happen in your life. And the only reason it won't is because of an emergency or a change of plan that surprised you or something like that. Why? Because you planned. Because you said, I'm going to get this done. We're going to put it on the calendar. We're going to make it happen. Um, I, I think it's important for us to do that. My wife, Bonnie, is a great planner. She amazes me. I'm a pretty good planner, but she's very organized. And <laughs> we're in the middle of this right now. Okay, so can I just bare my soul to you for a minute? Um, it's spring. We have a day 
every spring where I help her work in the yard because we have these big grasses that have to be cut down and it's sort of the bigger stuff and cut these bushes in half and all that. Now, my wife actually is energized by working in the yard. Is there anyone in here that you like working in the yard on a nice day? Come forward now, please. We are going to cast that demon out of you. I'm kidding. My wife loves it. Okay, I don't know we're all wired differently, but she needs my help. And usually I don't have to mess with it. And, but a nice weather yard work day means the weather's also nice for golf or riding a motorcycle. And I just cannot even imagine picking working in the yard on a nice day. But we've, we set the date, and that's what she does. She tricks me. And she says, a far enough out that I don't think it's ever going to get there. You know what I mean? And it's set. And so she says, this is the day, honey. Clear your calendar. I'm off on Fridays. Because she knows that if she just wakes up on a Friday, because I never plan anything on a Friday, and says, today's yard work day, I'll say, I'm busy. I got something going. I don't know what it is, but I'm busy. I know I'm busy. Because I will do just about anything to avoid Yard work. I just don't like it. It is not of God. But that's going to happen, okay? I can guarantee you I'm going to be in the yard working, doing the things she wants me to do on that day. Why? Because it's planned. It's in my calendar. And I have some days now that I can look forward to dreading it. So it's an exciting moment. Number one in your outline. Let's go. Willingness to serve. You can't talk about Nehemiah without this point somewhere. This guy was a servant to the king. He did it well. And it also uh, got him a lot of favors from the king, which you'll see today. In Nehemiah chapter 2, last week we looked at chapter 1. This week, just leave your Bible open. Chapter 2, it says this in verse 1. Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving Say those three words with me. I was serving. It's worth stopping there because this is what is about to set up the rest of Nehemiah's life. Honestly, I was serving the king, his wine. And this next line amazes me. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. What kind of discipline does that take? Does he just have to fake it or is he just always happy? That's a huge statement. So anyway, let's go on. It says, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look ill or sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Now, for the king to ask about anyone else other than himself is a big moment. The king notices that shows you how endeared he is to Nehemiah. Then I was terrified, it says, of Nehemiah. But I replied, long live the king. How, how can I not be sad? And then he's just going to blurt it out. He says, for the city where my ancestors are buried in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah is referring to Jerusalem where the walls have been torn down, the gates have been burned, and they've been annihilated. People are coming in and out now, uh, stealing stuff, making war, and it's a mess. And he knows that, that he has uh, family there, so it's very frustrating for Nehemiah to know all this is happening. Another observation that's interesting, remember last week we talked about the fact that this was around November, December, that his friends come, one of his brothers, Ananiah, uh, his brother came. And he's actually telling him about this. It's four months later that he's actually talking about it with the king. So what happens in those four months 
Because this refers to the first month of the new Jewish calendar, which is the month right after Passover, which we would call Easter. And so about a month from now, all this is starting. Four months. I think he's been making plans. I think he's been thinking, how could I get to Jerusalem? How could I lead? How could I some way? Is it possible that I could go help rebuild the wall? And repair the gates? Could I take that on? So he's dreaming. He's got this, this big dream. Think about how this moment came to be. We talked about how Nehemiah served the king. And I think the faithfulness of Nehemiah set it up so the king cared about Nehemiah and he's going to bless him in going. I, I love the idea of how um, Nehemiah must have been very positive in his workplace for the king to never see him sad. I don't get it, but it amazes me how you can find two people going through almost the exact same things. And one will find a way to walk through it with peace, making willful, thought-out decisions. And the other will complain and whine about it every single day. What do you think the difference is? Do you think, you're just, do you think there's a whining gene that you're just born with in anybody? It's just an amazing thing versus that positive thing that keeps people from from ever being negative. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's how you're brought up or both, but give it some thought. Which are you? How important is that in the development of your life in relationships? The second thing I want you to write down is this. I must rely on the strength and favor of God. If I have a dream that I'm making plans for, uh, especially if it's a big dream, I'm going to have to rely on the favor of the strength of God or it's not going to happen. Look at verse 4. The king asked, this is huge, well, how can I help you? You guys, I'll tell you right now, in this culture, the king did not say those words very often. And when he does say those words, you better have a plan because he's expecting you to have an answer to that. How can I help you? So you can see this even in the text how Nehemiah wrote this. With a prayer to the God of heaven. He's like, oh dear God, help me. The king just asked me. You know, I've got to say something well. I replied, if it please the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Please. There's this moment where Nehemiah is just trying to get it out. He's nervous. He's stressed. It's the king. And if the king says it, it's going to be so. And this moment, this moment now, is worth all the months of faithfully serving the king. Do you get that? See, things don't just happen. Character and integrity take a lifetime to build. It's amazing how good things happen. When people live with integrity and character and willfulness and planning. And it isn't just getting lucky. And Nehemiah isn't just getting a lucky break. Nehemiah has a, has a, become a man of God, living in the favor of God and walking in the favor of God. Um, I, I was thinking about this a lot in terms of dreams. We have a lot of dreams, Bonnie and I do in our lives, our family, and, and, and we have a lot of dreams here at Timberline. I was thinking about how big dreams can get. And what, what do you think is a big dream? Like, for me, I just jotted down, I think a, a dream that just involves me is actually not that big of a dream. If I can plan and make it happen without anybody else, then, I mean, it, it's still a dream. I want to accomplish it. But I could, through willpower, discipline, make it happen if it's up to me. 
But a bigger dream requires me and a few others. If, if I wanted to do something with you significant and we said, let's come together, let's form a company or business or corporation or let's take a trip or we'd have to, we'd have to really do a better job. But that's still not necessarily a big dream because you can do that with teamwork, cooperation. What is a big dream? And the first thing I thought of is a big dream is a dream that requires God. God. If God doesn't show up, this is not going to happen. Not going to happen. And we've had a privilege here at Timberline to walk through some of those dreams. And I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen the hand of God in people's lives individually and corporately with us, with the stuff God has done around here. It blows me away. And, and I want that. I pray for that. Pray for that over us as a church. Faith is the ability to see the possibilities that God has in mind. And I want to be a man of faith. I want us to be a church that's not afraid to see what God sees and to trust Him for it. Okay, number three. Here's where it gets ugly. Not ugly, really, but it's a challenge. Am I willing to change my lifestyle to fulfill the dream? You know, if you've ever had a dream to run or work out or lose weight or do this or that, you know, some changes have to be made before those dreams are going to become reality. You can think about doing something, but until you get out there and do it. Look at verse 6. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, that's significant because it means they were just relaxing. The queen would not be allowed if there was formal business happening. Um, Also, a side note, who do you suppose this queen was? It was most likely Esther. And we've just been talking about her in the last few months. So it's just interesting. And I think it might even have been why Nehemiah is pretty bold with the king. Because he knows the story of Esther and his favors resting on the people of Jerusalem already. And so it's a good time. And so Nehemiah steps right in. So anyway, um, uh, the queen sit in there and, and asks, How long, Nehemiah, will you be gone if you do this? And when will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Now, have you ever, I can't imagine Nehemiah's jaw dropping like the king says, okay, have fun. Bye-bye. Nehemiah's going, I'm going to really do that. Have you ever really wanted something until you got it? You know what I mean? We, I remember our cousins, we'd meet at the farm in Kansas, my grandparents' house. And they had this big old bull named Old Red. And we always had this dream of catching a hold of that bull by the tail. And, and I remember the first time I got a hold of that tail, I, I knew it was not a good idea. This is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> not a good thing. I, I know sometimes people have a dream of, of having kids, and then they don't realize that they will never sleep again in their life. Right? But the kids are worth it. I get that. I had this dream of having this nice green lawn that Bonnie has worked on. And... And walking barefoot in the grass. It was a great dream until, until we had this idea that we wanted two big black lab dogs. Do you know that our furniture was not scratched at all until my wife Bonnie wanted a cat? With claws that worked? You ever wanted a smartphone? Like a cool one that can email and text and, and then you get one and, it buzzes every five seconds, and 
It's wearing you out. I'm convinced we're going to see more earthquakes in the world because of all the phones vibrating around the world. I'm just positive that's going to happen. It's insane. See, dreams that are big. We've got to get this, okay? Please put your heart into this for just a minute. You have a big dream. It's going to, it's going to cost something. There's going to be some changes that have to come into your life. Now, they might be great changes, so I'm not trying to make this negative, because I think, I think dreaming big is worth it. But there has to be a moment when you say, these sacrifices are worth it. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to get this. And, and a lot of people like to talk about their dreams, but they will not make the sacrifices necessary to see the dream come to pass. And here's the great part. Once you do that and you see the dream come to pass or coming to pass, it is worth it all. Nehemiah is going to see amazing things in Jerusalem. He doesn't know it yet. He's still stuck in between the lifestyle. Listen, he's got a great life. He drinks wine for a living. Think about this. He, he, has, he lives in some really nice places. He sees some really big-time dignitaries come through. He's around high-power people with lots of money. He's got a job that would be the envy of many people in the kingdom. And he's about to say, See ya, I'm going to go be criticized, ridiculed. My life's going to have death threats. People are going to write letters about me that are deceptive and, and, and untrue. They're going to try to trick him. He's going to have to fight. He's going to have to go through so many challenges that he could have avoided. Why did he do it? I'll tell you why. He had a dream. He was going to believe God for something bigger than himself. And he was trusting God to get it done. Guys, that's why we dream dreams here at Timberline. I want to take a moment and just tell you. Um, we're coming into a few weeks now when you're going to hear more details and see some more pictures of the church planting effort that we're going to have over the next decade. The first one's going to be in Windsor. And we showed you a picture of that a few weeks ago. But just a few basic questions. I don't know why God's put this in our hearts. I know um, it's going to be a fascinating thing to see us begin to plant multi-site churches in other cities and communities around northern Colorado. Um, I know God's growing that in us. And, and there are a couple reasons. First of all, um, it's proven... That planting new churches in communities um, caused the unchurched to, to come to that church. New churches reach new people that are unchurched. And that's just a stat. Um, and so when, when churches come to Fort Collins, right now there are about eight churches being planted in Fort Collins. Some will make it, some won't. But I always view that as a positive. Because I've had a few of you say, well, aren't there already churches in Windsor? Why would we plant a church if there's already churches? Listen, 80% of our town doesn't go to church anywhere. Now think about that. We don't have enough churches. None of these communities have enough churches. We can be a part of doing something new. So it's very exciting to me to think about that. Another thing is, um, you are committed to, to driving to Timberline. How many of you drive more than 30 minutes, typically 30 or more to get here to Timberline? Just wait for me. See, that is amazing to me. Thank you. It's powerful. We have a couple in our church who drive two and a half hours one way from Nebraska every Sunday to come to this church. You kind of go, wow, what is that? Well, they're highly committed. We have a young adult that drives from Pueblo every Sunday to be here. They just connect. It's where they want to be. 
And here's the dilemma. How many of you know that those folks from Nebraska could invite their neighbor to Timberline, but it's unlikely they will come? <laughs> a, a Barna study shows that people who are more than 20 to 25 minutes away, um, they will come, they'll be committed, but it pretty much is a no from their neighbors who aren't committed to God. I'm talking about the unchurched who don't care. But if it's in their community, they have a pretty high chance. If you're personally invited, do you know that if you personally invite someone to church, 80% of them will say yes if you have a relationship with them that's honest and integral? Isn't that something? Just by asking them. Um, and so we want to have churches in local communities where people can serve in their community. They can invite their friends to that local church where as they're not going to come clear out here to this campus, though you do. But we're going to continue to try to plant churches in all these areas. So we feel like it's a really powerful vision that God's helping us, us to do. I don't know why young adults would use their entire spring break to go minister to the needs of people who are on their spring break. But over 30 young adults from this fellowship went down to Beach Reach. And the stories are incredible. Um, one of the stories, Pastor Rob was able to go down there for a couple of days and he came back yesterday. He told me uh, one of the young men, Levi uh, Kovari, some of you might know Levi. <laughs> I'm not sharing this with permission, so I might have to ask forgiveness later. But, but I, I don't think he would care. They, they had this guy who, did, you know, they just drink and all this stuff. And our team is there to help and encourage and assist. And this guy was so drunk that his party was going into a big club. And he turned to our, our team and said, is there anyone here that can help me? I, I, I can't go in there. I've got to go back to my hotel room. I'm, I'm done. And they said, of course, come with us. And they brought him over to our church van. They put him in our church van. And this guy starts throwing up all over the church van. Now, Levi grabs a plastic bag and holds this bag while this guy is throwing up in this bag. And he's consoling him. He puts his hand on his shoulder that it's going to be okay. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I would have just kicked him out of the van and said, grow up, dude. This is ridiculous. What in the world inspires a young person to care? They got him to the hotel. Levi went, walked him up to his room, got him some water, made sure he was okay. I'll tell you what does that. The love of God does that. You know, that doesn't come naturally. When you're not paid to do that, you're not going to do it without the love of God. It's the love of God that causes us to sacrifice and do the things that we believe in. Why? Because God has the ability to put a dream in you. And God can see it through. Trust Him in it. Oh man, I've got to hurry up. Where does time go? I need another service, even if it's just by myself. Number four. I must not be afraid to ask others for help. Nehemiah is going to get fairly bold here. This is, this is funny what happens in this next passage. In verse 7, this is the very next verse. I also said to the king, okay, now he's getting bold. If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. Because it was a pretty dangerous place there. And, while we're asking, please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber 
I will need it to make beams for the gates and the temple fortress and the city walls and a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because, here it is, here's the key, the gracious hand of God was upon me. You want to do big stuff? You want to have a big dream? You better make sure the gracious hand of God is upon you. Amen? That's where it all happens. He had favor with the king. That's what we pray over. That's what you should... Lord, give me favor. Give me favor. Help me to walk in a way that honors you and pleases you. When I came to the governors of the province west of Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. Nehemiah had not asked for that. The king gave him more than what he had asked for. Wow. I want to get you familiar with something that we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. We're not filling it out today, so don't get nervous on me. But in a chair back in front of you, if you're on the front row, would you mind reaching back behind or someone? Get it. it says Faith Promise Card at the top. Just pull one of those out. Everyone have one in your hand if you don't mind. Just look at it. Um, I want you to just check it out. Here's what we're going to do. Over the next uh, about month, we're going to be laying the vision out that we believe God's put in our hearts. And... I can, here's what I want to promise you. If you're a guest with us today, this isn't for you anyway, but, but you're not going to feel guilted into this, pressured into this. There's never going to be a moment of high power anything. This is between you and God, and I'm asking you to pray about it. I'd like for you to take one of those cards home, put it somewhere where you can see it, and just begin praying over it. We want to do this thing in Windsor and all these venues. Our hope is to do them all cash. And, and, and trust God for the results. We need to raise about $800,000 in cash and about $1.2 million in, uh, in pledges over two years in a faith promise. Uh, we don't mind the short-term two-year kind of a thing while we build it out and stuff. But that might sound like a lot of money to you, but for a church like this, it's not too big of a leap, honestly. Let me, let me give you one example. A thousand family units, which is not a very big number for the amount of families we have at Timberline, if a thousand families said we'll give fifty dollars a month for twenty four months, that's one point two million. We're done. Now, does that seem more reachable to you? It really does. But I know this: some of you can give a lot more than that. Some of you can't give anything. Maybe you say, "Well, I'm out of work. I don't have any money." Okay, forget the money. It's not about the money. It's about time. Do you have time? We could use some time. It's where is God? Where's God going to inspire you to serve? And I'm not afraid to ask because this isn't for me. This isn't about Timberline being bigger and greater. This is about people who are not yet reached for the kingdom of God. And we're going to make a difference there. And I believe that. And I'm excited about it. So take that home and care about it. Last thing in your outline is this. Um, not everyone will dream your dream. You know, this is a harsh reality we have to deal with that um, I want to be pretty open about today. Look at verse 10. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival into Jerusalem, they were very displeased and some, that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Okay, you guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, you're going to hear about them. Next week we're talking about facing opposition. How do you do that? Nehemiah, I mean, he took it. He took it on the chin in a harsh way. You want to be a leader? You want to have a big dream? You want to do what God puts in your heart? Criticism is going to be right next to you. 
most of your life. Because people don't understand people who, who dream big dreams. People don't understand. And their motives are always questioned. And, and Nehemiah did a great job navigating through this. And it was hurtful. And he paid a price for it. And I just want to say that there are always Tobias and Sanballats in the world. You guys, if you love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, and you've put Him first in your life, you have an enemy who hates you. Now, you can put your head in the sand and say, no, that I'm not going to be thinking. No, you're hated. And, and it's amazing to me. The Bible says that our enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He will ruin your life. He will take every healthy relationship away from you. He will wreck your marriage. He will wreck your finances. He will get a hold of you. He'll put a hook in you and drag you. Because he doesn't want you to succeed. But I'm here to tell you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God is greater than your enemy. And God can inspire you to dream a dream that's bigger than you can do alone. And that's the kind of dream that is worth dreaming. Let's build a plan where the dreams can come to pass in our lives personally, our families, our homes, as well as in the church God has allowed us to be a part of and serve in. Let's do the stuff that God wants us to do. I want to read this and it'll be my last thing. Some of you have heard this. It's a quote from Mother Teresa. It's one of her best, I think. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people may accuse you of selfish motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you may win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. <laughs> do good anyway. Honesty and transparency make you vulnerable. Be honest and transparent anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People who really want help may attack you for helping them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you have and you may get hurt. Give the world the best you have anyway. Let's pray. Lord, I believe that's true. That's what you did. They killed you. But you died for the people who put the nails in your hands. You died for the man who put the whip on your back. It's unbelievable. I don't know how you did it. Except you had a big dream. You had a big dream that people like us in this room would actually believe the story is true. Wow. And guess what, Lord? We do. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being a dreamer and planning it out with your Father. I'm going to pray over a couple things. I just This is going to be quick, but I, I want you to respond. Some of you just need a dream again. You're, you're stuck in a routine that maybe you've been disappointed, hurt, wounded. It's time. This series is going to pull you out of a lethargic something that you've been stuck in. And I want... God to move in your soul and call you to a place that you know He wants you to be. If you want to just lift your hand and say, I need to dream again. God bless you. Lord, we pray
pray this over every person in this room, hand up or not. We want to dream your dream. Help us to do it and do it well. Secondly, how many of you, see, Nehemiah went to the king and asked for help. Some of you are afraid to ask for help. You're going to have to get over it. You are. Some of you need help with job skills. Some of you need help with finances. Some of you need help with with work, family, relationships, with addictions. Whatever it is, you need help and you're going to have to ask. And pride can't, it can't get a grip on you if you don't have it. Just let it go and say, I need help, I'm going to ask. Some, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you just know I'm going to ask for help, I'm going to find the right people to put in my life. Lord, help us to find the right person. Send us a king that we can ask and grant to us, oh God, the desires you've put in our heart. Lastly, God, for one person, for ten or however many in this room right now that doesn't know you personally, Maybe they know about you, but they don't know you. Help them to pray with me. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to know you. I want your dream in my life, not just my dream for my life. Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me. I choose to walk with you. Lord, this is our prayer. It's our hope. We love you today. We love you today. And everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Our prayer teams are going to come right up here. And if you want to pray with someone before you go out of here, please do that. Go by the tables in the mall. The service begins now. Go get them. God bless you. Love you guys.